0: All right, thank you very much for giving me this opportunity. Brother Philip um, uh, gave up his time and said, I, I noticed you're not on the schedule, and that was good for me not to be. It's good just to come and listen and to learn and to have, the, I think is Brother Maxwell's, um, no, somebody's daughter came to me and said, um, about how do you feel when you're not preaching? And they said, you know, relax, and it takes away the tension of especially if you have to preach or if you're on the schedule and you're last and you have that whole morning to preach and to think about it and I went to a doctor and he told me that a lot of preachers, a lot of people and he deals with people like this, don't understand the stress that they build up um, in their lives by just you go to church to preach, you prepare your sermon and the whole week or whenever it is, that's why you wait till the last moment to, preach your ser- to prepare your sermon Otherwise, if you prepare it for Monday, you want to preach, you can't wait until Sunday to preach it. And you're anxious, and you're building up stress in your life, and you don't know that. And he said that, um, and then you go to church, and you're sitting down, you're waiting to preach, you're waiting to preach, and then the song leader comes and says, okay, before the pastor comes, we will sing one more song. And so you're waiting to go, and just after that he says, well, I forgot to say before the pastor comes, we'll have sister, uh, uh, Sister Barbara to come and sing a solo for us. And he says, you do that over a period of years, and your stress level builds up, and you don't know, you never deal with it because you never see that stress. It's just building your system till one day, bam, it licks you down. And you don't know what it is that gets you um, with this. Anyhow, I thank the Lord for the opportunity of, of just sharing with you again, being here with you. Is The blessing of just mingling and talking and listening is always good. Um, to be here. But Brother Philip um, thought he would like to hear me preach. I don't know why, but uh, we'll see. Well, what I want to do very quickly, this is on Facebook, so I'm going to go through Facebook. I didn't be able to put it in the, there. Some of you been asking for ministry, about ministry, and you've been part of the ministry there in Africa, um, in, in, in Zimbabwe, Mozambique, Malawi, Um, Rwanda and since we last saw you but you know through Brother Ken we've been here in the country of Burundi and God has just miraculously just God has been doing this Um, taking us to different places uh, for uh, preaching the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ and being able to share with them so I'm just going to go That's Brother Ken Uh, this is some of our pastors uh, um, over there you know Brother Maxwell uh, there and Brother James I'll tell you a little bit about him and, th- and uh, Brother Fulgence he is in Rwanda and uh, Brother Victor he is our leader one of our leaders in, in um, Mozambique alright well I saw this I don't know how this came up but this is we are inviting you to the Grace Bible Church in Paddock Road uh, next year uh, the, the third week of August the 15th I think it is we're planning on having a kingdom conference there. And um, the way we have, we're having a conference is that we like to put you up. I know it's some fear for you to get along there. But um, over the years, our conferences is when you come there, we try to put you up at homes. But if there are some people prefer to stay in a hotel, then we can arrange for that for you. And I have a particular hotel that Brother Tracy would like so um, to go to. It's so all right on the beach. I go there every morning, and the race horses come every morning and bathe there. And there's a couple that lives somewhere near Lookout Mountain, Tennessee. They come to Barbados either two to three times a year. And every morning they're there. They'll come there later this month. They'll sit down on that beach. They're horse fans, and and they. Although they've been doing that for years. So um, there are hotels that you can get there. I don't know the prices range maybe from eighty to $25,000 a night. There's one hotel that, that's what it is, $25,000 one night um, for there. Anyhow, uh, we're a tourist-oriented country, and you'll enjoy the beaches. Uh, we've seen showing you that. But anyhow... Um, you let us, you plan on that and we we get to have you come have a nice vacation um, there because we'll see that you enjoy yourself in our, our, our island, um, to see our island and to enjoy um, the conference and our people and all that goes with having a conference with a West Indian flavor. It'll be a little different than this, I can tell you that. Um, but as far as, because of different culture, and so on. All right? Uh, I'll go through very quickly and just stop at some of these. This is Brother James, and he's just a, uh, a marvelous young man in the ministry. Um, oh, well, I'll get to the ones, okay, coming up to where I wanted to, to show you about no brother james is a very artistic person and i'll show you some things that um he does and how what he does to preach the gospel um he has a really thing i want to show you this this is he sent me this is we have reached forgotten people in burundi in africa in different places there are forgotten people that's the english word they either call them the abattoir or the twa, T-W-A people, different um, variations of the spelling. But this is a forgotten tribe of Tanzania. And Brother James went and visited them. Uh, he says these are the forgotten tribe of Tanzania. They have more than 260 tribes, forgotten tribes that live in the mountain jungles beyond Kegoma, um, n- near of Tanganyika Lake. They did never heard the good news of Jesus Christ because no one there to talk to them. God needs young men and young women to bring a good news to the broken hearts and to reach in all corners of the earth. Let us do it, amen. And so this is in Tanzania. And this is a very strong Muslim country as well. Um, So that's, thought I would share that with you to pray about that. Okay, this is Brother Ken and myself and some of you might have seen these. When we first made contact with the forgotten people in Burundi. And that's the first day we went there, and the villagers came out. The, the guy standing up right here is the chief, the very sh- short stature people um, of the village. And uh, we made contact with them and told us, come have the service. Um, we went, there. I think it was the Thursday or the Friday, but they said, uh, when we asked them if we can have service, come and have a service. Nobody ever had a service there with them before, nothing like that. And they said, "Come Monday morning at eight o'clock." <laughs> so we had to get there. And here they sit down on the path, on the on, this, um, on the grass and so on. And I was able. Well, we gave every, everybody that was there talked to them a little bit and um, was able to preach to them um, there, hear my preaching uh, there to them. And many of them trusted the Lord Jesus as Savior. Uh, last month, no, in August, forty people in that village got baptized. Um, and something I'll show you that uh, here they are after giving the invitation and talk to them uh, about getting saved and, and they're standing up and uh, they want to know the Lord Jesus as Savior and so on. Um, here's another group. Some of you gave clothes and your, mm, Sister Janet, your children, she would have, maybe I don't know if they saw this already, um, but Brother Ken brought a lot of clothes that you donated and we took them, instead of packing our suitcases with our clothes, we just brought a little bit of clothes and brought a couple of suitcases of clothes. And here they are sitting down. It reminded me, it reminded us of the Lord Jesus when he put them in, um, in groups. On, um, in 50s, I think it is, when they fed them with the bread. They, we put them down and they sat down in families and very well behaved. And they, we shared what we had with them there. It was a really wonderful experience. Um, there. there they are, that's in the village. A church is built, real sure, I don't know, um, right in that area right now. We have a building. Uh, that's a group of leaders that we have in our churches. Um, that when we were in Rwanda, uh, you can see those, you know, Friday and, and, and others. Uh, well, that's just a little of us when we were ministering. Brother Ken there with uh, Brother Maxwell and Brother James and Dawa and... Brother James uh, was the, um, all right. Uh, let's see, here you go, Brother Kane. Uh, that's when we were receiving our, pre- our gifts and so on. Uh, Brother Ken, is his walking stick. I'm sure he showed you that. Uh, when we go, um, they give everywhere you go, they give me a walking stick, a cane, because I'm grandfather, Sikuru, and that's what they give you, a cane. Uh, Brother Kane got one as well uh, this time so I have about, I still have one that I left here because of <laughs> I need to get down uh, off the barbers I have several of them now from the different countries and this is a picture of one of the forgotten people with the work that they do I don't know how to get that balance but um, uh, they do it better than the nails that you have to balance that brother i will have to to show you uh, sometime Brother James is an artist and um, He's decided to draw um, Bible stories in comic form so that the children and others um, can read it. And so this is uh, starting of it, of that he's, he's starting to put together. It costs money to publish it and everything else so that he can share it out. And um, this is, he's a really talented young man. This is the baptism here. Uh, well, well, we've told you some of the people getting baptized um, the baptismal service in the mountain river they were standing up looking down at the river um, and the village came out for the baptism oh yeah all right um, let's see this is where we started the church and we have a building there now it, um, piece by piece is going up and uh, I have a friend of mine she called yesterday I need to talk to you urgently I, she lives in England and I thought something was wrong. And she said, listen, the Lord just spoke to me um, about the needs of finishing. Then this is a building there, and they need windows and doors. To, so the rainy season is coming in. And then she, she told me, I, I want to talk to you urgently. So I, well, I wonder what's wrong with their family. And she said, God spoke to me about I want to give $500 um, for the windows and the doors of the church before the rain comes. Uh, that's urgent business. <laughs> That's Brother James' painting. And he does artist work. What he used to do before, Brother, I mean this young man, he would paint a picture and go and sell it. And what the money he gets, he would take the bus and go to another country. He lives in Rwanda. And so he would travel to the Congo or to Uganda or Tanzania, any one of those, and go and and live there on that money he sold the paintings for. Preach the gospel, preach. People get saved and things like that. And then when the money runs out, he goes back home, paints another picture or whatever else he would do um, to go to another country um, and, and do that. This, now, this is the interesting one. Out of the church that got started there, Brother James has taught them. He had to go and teach them how to read because they don't have schools up there. So he went to teach them how to read. And so that the money you sent for Bibles, that they would have been able to read the Bible. So they're starting to read the Bibles now. And uh, that's just wonderful. Well, in his teaching and so on, they got saved. Nobody in that village has ever been married They never even think about marriage. They just, the, the life there is that, as you get, you get a child with somebody, you, you build your little hut um, out of grass or whatever it is, you go there to live. Well, since they got saved and he's been there preaching and so on, several of the young people, those who got married, says, we would like to get married. That's the right thing to do. And so um, nobody, they've never had a wedding. Nobody ever got married there, no wedding. So they had to go to the the council to tell them about this, that they were to get married, to give them permission to get married, and so on. And so the, um, the ceremony has started. Not yet, but this is one of them. I'm not sure all of this, but he tells me, this is the beginning of the wedding ceremony, And the villages, it looks to me as if they're bringing uh, things on their head with water in it and food and everything else and um, all the people of the village. And so they're starting this ceremony before the actual um, officiating of the wedding. But they're doing this some weeks before. And so this is the, I just thought that this is interesting. I would love to be here. I'd love to be there to see that, Brother Ken, what they do uh, to experience that. Uh, wedding ceremony so um, the Lord is continuing to I went through this quickly because I still want to finish on time Brother Tracy <laughs> for your sake <laughs> alright you'll never talk about me again <laughs> but um, pray for the ministry Then, for those of you who know the story you know the literal miracles that God has done for us uh, through you know our, the ministries. And that you God just naturally have added, like grafted you in, into this tree. And I, I just prefer it like than that, than having, you know, you go to people to tell, to raise money and so on. But it, and that has never worked. And God has just, in his own way, just grafted in people um, and their own desires. And um, I don't know if it. can I tell you a story? Can I tell you a story? Yeah. And she tells me that the Lord has laid upon her heart something has come through with something she's selling. And God has laid on her heart to take whatever she's, Sister Judy, um, take whatever she gets from that as far as her tithing and so on, and send it to buy Bibles um, over there. And that's nothing about we asking her, that's something God talked to her about on, on her own. And it's so better when it works that way, when God does it, rather than we having to go and say, we want this and we want that. And God has continued. This is since 1991. Um, how God started for those of you um, who don't know about a missent letter, two two missent letters, one from Zimbabwe to Barbados and one from Barbados to Zimbabwe. That we just don't understand how this ever worked out till we get to heaven. I'm sure I don't know how, but since then uh, there are uh, ten churches in Zimbabwe, there are 35 in Malawi, uh, there are 25 in Mozambique. In, in Rwanda there's two and now just in a year's time in Burundi there are two churches and the one that's special among us are the forgotten people where we've been able to preach the gospel to people who have never heard the gospel and to me that's a very special thrill the wonderful thing about this is that we you know, I'm hoping to say something about the gospel sometime maybe on Sunday as I preach the gospel and um, what it is uh, and things like that but to add this on, that these people are getting saved and the teaching of the gospel of the kingdom as we, what we call the kingdom belief is that's what they're being brought up on. I mean, that's a special privilege. And that's why we need to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Because they're people. The only way they can hear of the gospel of the kingdom if we go out into this world and preach the gospel to them so that they can hear this wonderful news of the coming King, our Lord Jesus Christ. Our Father, bless your word and help me as I preach to be able to encourage and challenge um, the believers here for your honor and glory. I pray in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, for my, I'm glad to have my niece here with me. Um, first time she's here, uh, Maria, uh, saved from the time she'd been a little child. She was the one of the, what we call the first members, uh, charter members of our church. It started in 1967. She was a little girl, and she is still, uh, some have died and gone along. Um, um, some might have, I'm not sure, some, some might have left and gone along but she has remained faithful to the Lord uh, all these years um, in our church and um, just good to have her um, uh, with us and my wife of course there and for those of you I find out that there's some tune in listening in Barbados and if you hear this message you'll know you've heard it before because when I was asked to preach I didn't come prepared to do this so The lord and i thought about all kind of things to preach and to say to you and then last night when i got home the lord says you share with them what you've been sharing with the church um, for the last couple days now i'm going to do something it's going to be a miracle because this is a series of messages that i started with earlier and it was this uh, with the thought that we're living in perilous times And we're living in anti-Christian times now, more than ever, anti-biblical times. And this is the world we're living in. And we have to prepare to live in this world. We have to know how how are we going to be victorious in this world that's anti-Christian. And we have a saying down in the islands, when America sneezes, we in the West Indies catch the cold. And be sure that what happens up here comes down, what goes, what's up comes down. And we know what's, what we're heading for. And it's already starting to feel, feel the ripples of it. And so, apart from the age that we're living in, the evil age that we're living in, and the normal things, and I call them normal, but the spiritual warfare that we've had in our lives and will continue to have in our lives, now is being multiplied visibly, physically. The anti-laws has been passed and feelings um, that will make us have to readjust our thinking and our responses to things. But at the same time that we have to be victorious. We still have to be true to God. We still have to obey God rather than man. We still have to stand for righteousness. We still have to live a righteous life. We still have to be victorious. And so my, my thought to them over the, the past few months is that, how do you do that? Number one, trust the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Number two, you need to obey God rather than man. You need to obey God and trust and obey like brothers and sisters. But to obey God in all things. Number three. To love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind and might. Number four. To look for the Lord Jesus. To keep looking for him. Behold your redemption draweth nigh. And you keep looking for him. But in order to do all these and be victorious in your life. You have to keep in this present life. Look unto Jesus. And this is what the latter part of it, part of that latter part, I want to share with you this morning. Take your Bibles, turn to the book of Hebrews in chapter 12. Looking on to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We need to look on to the Lord Jesus Christ. And there are a lot of other, lots of things that you need to look on to him for. As we, in this world, uh, we are challenged, you know, that there are witnesses that surround us and so on. Uh, but we need to lay aside the weight and the sin but how do we do that? Run the race with patience. Enjoying that race as we go along. But the thought is not to enjoy. As we show you. Enjoy. is Okay, I'll just go ahead and I'll wait until the end. I'll make sure. But no, it's an endurance that brings an enjoyment in doing it. We don't endure temptation with sadness and say, Oh boy, these things are so hard in serving the Lord. It's so hard to be a Christian. No, the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. The power of the word of God and the hope that is before us. Makes us endure with an enjoyment. Looking on to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. And he saw the joy and that kept him going. And did not make him give up. And so he says, consider him. Lest he be wearied and faint in your minds. And you give up. So I want to encourage us this morning, encourage you in this present time, in order to be able, in, in all that is happening around us, we cannot afford to give up. We've come too far to give up. We have suffered too much to give up. Particularly those of you who have suffered because of the teaching of the kingdom truths about seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And your friends despise you and your family sometimes separate from you and the problems you've had. You've given up too much to give up now. And you can't afford Satan to use... The present things that are happening. The anti-Christian feeling. The anti-biblical laws that's given. Uh, and the things that are happening in your country particularly. Um, that you can't afford that to, to stop you from going on. And not just going on. But going on victoriously. You just can't just plod away. But you have to go plodding away. If you can plod away. I mean. You have to plot away with joy in your heart, with with a victory in your soul, and not have a a, a saddened face about all this world and thing. Hey, friends, the Bible tells us that in the latter days perilous times shall come. And this is not to be a surprise to us whatsoever. We are to be able to say, matter of fact, I sound morbid to some people because if the Lord says these things are to happen, God let them happen. Because we'll get through with it one time and done, finish with it. Uh, that might sound, you know, morbid, but it needs. It will happen, and you and I must be able to go through this, being strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. And so, let me just point out some things here that I want to challenge you with concerning your life at this present time, amidst the present circumstances of your life, whether it is trials whether it is the struggles of the flesh whether it is the bombardment of the devil or whether it is just the anti-christian spirit that is in the age that we are experiencing and we know that will increase more and more it's not going to cool down laws are not going to pass I mean one or two is going to be here I'm sorry if you're political but it doesn't matter who is in power it might minimize it here or there, but God's work is going to be done. God's will is going to be done to bring to pass his glory. And God is a sovereign God. And so you are going to face a, 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 great, a great tsunami. Is going to come. And let's face facts. And if we don't face reality, then we will never be able to handle reality. And it will—the tidal wave, the tsunami of uh, 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 of this age we are living—will come and sweep you away if you don't understand the truths of the Scripture and prepare for those truths of Scripture. And so, number one, very quickly, how what do you do? You look onto Jesus, the author and finish of your faith. Keep your eyes on Him, friends. It's so easy in this life, as we go on, is to look away from the Lord Jesus and look. To what we know about the scriptures. And feel good about what we know. And believe we have found some truth. That others don't have. And so what we do is to find ourselves moving our eyes from the person. I believe the, book of, Ephes- um, the of the letter to church at Ephesus. This is my take on it. Um, the church at Ephesus. I've said, Lord, if there's one church I would like it to be like. Those were days when there was a a fighting fundamentalist. And uh, I used to say, Lord, if there's one church, I would like our church to be like, is the church at Ephesus. And you know, the Lord said about them, I have somewhat against thee. He told them, you know, I know your works. You hate those who are evil. And you do this and you labor and everything else. But I have one thing against you. I have somewhat against you. You have left your first love. And my take on this is this that these people, they got so involved in truth, in fighting for truth, and being uh, so, uh, feeling so good about that. They're the ones that hated the deeds of the Nicolaitans and everything else. And they were caught up in serving the Lord, in their service for God, in what the, God, what the Lord commended them for, for their labor, and for their love, for the truth. And they got so involved and even that, that they lost their first love for the Lord Jesus. Now that's my take on it. That we can get so embroiled, so fascinated with what we are learning. From what we are we're finding out. And get involved in the work of the Lord. And lose our love for the Lord Jesus. And friends. The priority of all lives is to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind and might. And so don't ever forget, as you study, as you find new truths, as it were, and they come at you and say, wow! And and you you see what God wants you to do. And you want to live a life. Don't fight to live a, a holy life in your own flesh. In the do's and the don'ts. And sometimes that's what we do. And we know that this is wrong. And so we stop doing it. But not through the power of God. And it's so easy to have a reformed life rather than a transforming life through walking with the Lord Jesus Christ. And a verse we used just now has been really in my life uh, trying to uh, experience this and want it. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Friends, a way to be cleansed from sin and from the things of this world is to walk in the light. Is to walk with God. And God will cleanse you from sin so that you can keep on walking with Him. Because the only way you can keep on walking with God and having fellowship with God is not have sin in your life. Because sin... You know what sin does. And God takes care of that sin as we walk with him. It's a wonderful experience that goes on when we walk in the light. And if we don't keep our eyes upon our Lord Jesus Christ. Look full in his wonderful face. And you will see the things of this world will go strangely dim. And we don't have to fight against them anymore. It's like what our brother saying. You know take the yoke of our Lord Jesus Christ and put on you. Listen he is the... You know the story of the, the, the how they put the, the oxen on. A young oxen. And I've seen this in Africa. They take a young oxen. A uh, young oxen. Put him there and put him with a bigger one. And wherever that big ox goes. That young one has to go. You don't have a choice. And so when we take the same yoke. The yoke of our Lord Jesus. And put it on us. We don't have no choice. But to let him lead us in the path of righteousness. He will lead us the right way. If we walk with him. And so keep my, my challenge to you. Amidst all that's going on in this world. Keep looking on to Jesus. Don't take your eyes off him. And don't look to the pastor. Don't look to this person. And it's easy to do that sometimes. Don't look to the, to the experiences you've had. Don't feel well. I've had a mountaintop experience. Don't let those experiences. Take your eyes off them the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Otherwise, you'll get yourself in trouble. Keep looking onto him. All right, and so let's move on here, make a a big jump down here. As you look onto Jesus, consider him. I want to go to verse five. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. Now, um, you heard... Was it yesterday? yours and Technon and so on. This is the word yours. And he's speaking to, to full grown people, to mature people. And he's telling them, My son, don't forget this. Despite, have you forgotten which to speak on? It? My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord. Usually, when we think of chastening, we think of backsliders. No, usually when we're chasing our children, I don't know what term to use in America now because you can get charged for using abusive terms. Like in in, in Barbados, I could say, I can beat my children. Boy, you can't beat here. I might end up in jail for saying that in in the States. All right? Um, I got to choose my... I don't even know if you could use the word spank anymore up here. So you got to say discipline. I don't even know if you could use that. right? Um, Up here. But usually, when we think of chastening, disciplining, training, and the word chastening there, we think of, you know, whipping. We think of children. We think of little children. You don't beat your big child. Sorry, not beat. You don't, ch- <laughs> you don't spank your big child, your adult child. But that's God. Listen, God spanks his adult children. You, us. And you know Why? Because we're still, while we are yours, we're still his technon. We will always be God's little children. Beloved, No, are we the sons of God. The word is technon. And we'll always be that to him. We'll never be anything. His wonderful children. But he wants us to act like adult children. And so his adult children, He wants to, he says, you want to be like me? All right. One of the ways that you will be like me is I have to chasten you. Now he goes on and says later in the verse. Now no chastening for the present is joyous but grievous. And so when we get chastened, God, oh boy, you know we living for the Lord, and we say, Lord God, I really want to serve you, God. And sometimes He says, you know, there's a hymn we sing when I get there. I balk. A lot of people don't say. Sweet are thy messengers, sweet are their, oh boy. And what they do for me. And really when you do it, it's suffering in the song. It has to do with suffering. And we say, sweet are thy messengers, sweet are their refrain. And when God hears that, you want to be like me? The Lord Jesus learned what we suffer. He learned through obedience, suffering. He learned obedience through suffering. And you and I have to face this. That if you want to be the yours, if you want to be the choice child of God, if you want to be like your father, then he's going to chasten us. Now, friends, uh, uh, I'm the worst person to talk about this. I don't like it. That's my wife. (laughs) The slightest thing that happens to me... Boy, I just think, I imagine the worst thing. And then I have to struggle. Lord, I mean, you're in control. And God has to chase in us. And he uses the illustration of fathers disciplining their children. And when we say disciplining, I don't mean the American disciplining. I mean the old time disciplining. Spoiler, uh spare not the rod. I, I'm talking about that. And that's the word has to do with, but it is for the same word, chastening there. It comes from the word of instructing children. Correct them, to discipline them, to put them on the right path. And so I want to encourage you as you seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Your heavenly father will chasten you. So don't think. A lot of times things happen to us and what well we say, oh, the devil. And we ascribe oftentimes the things that God doing to us to the devil. Be careful. Our heavenly father, he even, listen, he even uses a stronger word and says, and even sometimes he's, this is a stronger word than chastening. And he would even say, and he scourge of them. But if we are without chastisement, we are of all partakers, then you're bastards, and not you, not sons. If you don't get chastening from God, then you're not walking with him. You get a different type of dealing with. Wherefore we have fathers in our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much more be in subjection unto the father of spirits and live? And so when God chastens us, if our earthly fathers, when they're us, we said, okay, I'll obey your daddy, or whatever else. And even though we don't want to do it, we still go and do it. He says, much more our Heavenly Father, when he chastens us, that we submit ourselves to him. I give this illustration at home, so I'll give it. Um, I remember at school, boy, teachers in, in, in our, our islands used to beat you really bad. They used to have the biggest sticks the biggest traps and all this kind of thing. They'll make you go outside and cut a tamarind rod out of a tree and to come inside and for you, for them to, to, to last, spank you, beat you, lash you in front of all the school. And we learned a trick. Some fellows used to put some books in the, behind here uh, when they know they were going to get lashes. But we learned a trick. When the ones with the long rip thing, when they start to lash you, they used to hold your pants and hit you there on your back and so and so we learned, closer you got to him, less what you did, because he, he couldn't hit you hard then, because you're he had to, so you push you off to get leverage. So what you do is, get close to him or hold him like that. Friends, that's what our Heavenly Father wants of us. When he chastens us, is to draw us closer to him. To Hold him. And we will find, the chastening that he gives to us, Becomes a comfort to our souls that we are actually finding ourselves closer to our Heavenly Father. And that's what chastening is for, as we will see uh go on. For their verily, and I'll go to here, for their verily, verse 10, chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit. They did it, you know, heavenly earthly father you know, I got a good son. You know why? Not because he takes his son. He won't make people know that he's a good father. did it for his own pleasure. I did a good job. Our heavenly father. Does it. That we might be partakers. Of his holiness. So next time you sing the song. Oh to be like thee. Oh to be like thee. Blessed redeemer. or oh, more holiness. Give me more holiness. Give me there might be some chastening around the corner because there's such chastening brings. Now, the mature sons of God, don't let that scare them. They have a little human fear in them, but they're able to say, nevertheless not my will, but thine be done. And that we yield to his chastening hand, that we might be partakers of his holiness and thus be holy for him, holy. Oh, that's what our Heavenly Father wants of us to be like him. You know, most of us fathers, that's what, you know, we want our children to be like us, especially our sons. You know? And some cultures, they force it upon their children that if a particular culture, you know, The father's a doctor. In some cultures, all their sons have to be doctors, whether they like it or not. And our heavenly father wants us to be like him. So the chastening we are getting now, because you desire to, God, I want to be like you. He knows us. He built us. He knows what's going to get us to be like him. And chastening comes in a host of different ways that we don't have time to deal with now. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward. I have a message that's called afterward. And it's wonderful if you notice the afterward or the after in scripture, the things that are said about that. Here's one of them. Afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit. Of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. You know why? For those of you who desire to seek first the kingdom of God. What does it add on? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And if you're seeking that God I want to be like you. Then the heavenly father will help to bring you that place. So that you can experience a peaceable fruit. Of righteousness. You pray that you do you want that, don't you? You want to seek first the kingdom of God? And righteousness? Your heavenly Father in this world that you're living in will have to do that to us. To make us experience that righteousness. Now, there's a wonderful cycle to this, by the way. Is that when you experience that peaceable fruit of righteousness, you will be able to handle the chastening with a different perspective. Actually, there'll start to be a a thanksgiving. Lord, I thank you for doing this to me. It's a strange thing. Now, I have a case and I suffered with some depression. God, I believe God put me through that um, and allowed me. I, I believe that. I'll tell you this though. I said, God, I thank because I know what happened to me. Lord, I thank you for allowing me to experience depression. But God, please don't let it happen again. I'm telling you, I, I didn't like the experience of of the feeling, but right now, I know I've experienced the results of it. So there are certain things, on and he knows how I feel. Uh, I think every now and then, he allows a little bit to come to remind me you know, uh, about, we better straighten up or else. Because peaceable fruit of righteousness. And God is working in your life if you desire the kingdom of God. Now make your choice. Are you scared of his chastening hand? Say, well, you know, what's the sense of seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and I have to endure chastening? Does it work out? I mean, suffering this life in order for that to happen? oh, Maybe you say, some people say, well, it's not worth it all. Friends, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Just one glimpse of his glorious face. Just one, just one glimpse. You know, I have thought, every now and then you get something. You know, the song says, a foretaste, blessed assurance, a foretaste of glory divine. I'm sure every now and then you experience what we call a foretaste of glory divine but it doesn't last too long. <laughs> it's like sometimes for just a few seconds, you just reach there as if, wow, and then it goes away. Just to remind us, you're not in heaven yet, you're in this world. See? It's like Peter and them on the mountain top. Peter said, Lord, let's build a tree top. And let's just remain up here. Hey, you can't remain there. You're in this world. See? And you want to experience life in this world. But what I'll do to you Is that I'm going to come alongside. And be your paraclete. I'll comfort you. With my presence. I'll comfort you with my promises. I'll comfort you. With the prospective, The the, the, the things that are ahead. I'll comfort you with that. And so like the Lord Jesus. In your chastening time. Don't hang down. Don't let your, your knees hang down. Uh, let me just chop down to there. Um, well, let me read it and then think. Wherefore, um, through chast- chastisement, no chastening for the present time in John, wherefore lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. Don't let chastening do that with you. Rather, raise your hand. And I, I, I found out this, that if my knees, if my, my knees buckle, my hands drop. You know, you look funny with your knees drop and your hands up. It just do not be normal. If your hands drop, your knees buckle. So he says, hey, don't let those hands drop down. Wherefore do what? Lift up your hands. And if you lift up your hands with vigor, guess it, well, here's my knees. Lift up your hands with vigor and naturally you do that, your knees straighten up. And so while well, in your chest and in hand, don't go through life like this. Oh, Lord, I'm suffering for Jesus. God, thinks are hard in this world. They're passing these anti-Christian laws and all of these people. And so, Lord, come for your world. Oh, God, heaven, No! That we are able under these times to be able to lift up our hands and to look in the face of our Lord Jesus Christ and keep running the race with vigor and with joy for the joy that was set before him. Enjoy the cross; you will experience the chase and enjoy that. And look, there's joy ahead. Was it joy? There's a lot, boy. There's so much joy. But we used the one that we always use. well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I, that always makes me smile. The man who had five and two and so Thou hast been faithful over, and he said few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Friends, there's a joy unspeakable and full of glory that's awaiting us. Lift up your hands and your feeble knees. Look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. And do what? Let us have grace, verse 28. And let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Why? Because our God is a consuming fire. He's going to judge. And the way to stand before the The God that's a consuming fire. Is to keep our eyes upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And yield ourselves to his chastening hand of love and grace and sovereignty. To bring us to the place where we experience his holiness. And have in our lives, not just internally now. But righteousness is like. To me, holiness is the impar- that, that which is inside, you know. Be the pure in heart. Righteousness is the exercising of that holiness which is in you. That you live a righteous life. The peaceable fruit of righteousness. That's why it goes on to say, follow peace with all men. And holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. So I encourage all of us. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. God will take care of you and yield to his in hand. Love the Lord thy God. Well, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. In all things obey him. But as you do that, if you love me, you'll obey me. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and might. And don't ever forget to look up your redemption drive now. Keep looking for the Lord Jesus. And what's going to keep us doing all of that is if we keep looking onto him in our present life. God bless you all. Amen. Thank you very much.